Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by the Collective Experience. The Collective Experience, the number one way to take in any motocross or supercross race. Go behind the curtain, across the velvet rope, and into an in-depth look at what it takes to race motocross or supercross at the privateer level that the registration fee for that program puts money directly into the hands of privateers who desperately need it and gives you the experience you're never going to get with any other VIP experience. Or you could even be a intern where basically you're you're part of a team for the day. You're getting injected straight into a racer's program. You're watching video. You're helping out at the races. And basically for the day, you are a team member and you're making all the contacts and the uh, um What's necessary for you to get a job within the motocross industry? You can do that with a collective experience. You can also go to Medterra CBD and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 upon checkout on every single one of your orders, and you can save 15%. We get a slice of that. Really appreciate it if you guys go check that out. Medterra CBD for all of your CBD needs, 15% off with BIGMXRADIO15. I am your host, Brad Gephardt. This is the second podcast that I'm doing on this uh, on this day. It's going to be a busy one for me. On the line, he is my co-host. He is someone who takes all of my verbal abuse, does it with a smile, and he is also the sole proprietor and the mastermind behind the collective experience and the reason why the podcast is sponsored by the collective experience. His name is Dave Drake. Dave, how's it going? What's going on, Brad? Uh, the intros are getting pristine. Feel very, very privileged. Feel very proud. You make the program sound incredible. I'm grateful for. One of these days, I'm just gonna like bust out like the voice of God from Supercross and be like Dave Drakes. <laughs> hey, that wasn't, that wasn't, pretty, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad, huh? Fair enough. Yeah, bad, just... I'm gonna have you do like my outgoing voicemail. Fair. I, you, I need to redo your outgoing bow smile because you just sound so <laughs> like I don't even want to leave you a, a message because it is it's just so quaint. It's like I it feel I feel like it's like a like a forty five year old white dude left that like that outgoing message and you are the opposite of that. Um, even though uh, you are the whitest guy I know, and if for those who don't know, Dave's is as black as the day is long. Uh, not that that really makes uh, matters whatsoever. I just find it funny. Um, you've got the Malcolm Stewart hair going on. In fact, I think your hair is more ridiculous than uh, Malcolm's is right now. But uh, neither here nor there. Dave, we're on the backside of Daytona. You as well as maybe may, like the on many of these podcasts, um, especially when it comes to Daytona, everybody talks about the access and the security and the will call problems. You're probably someone who'd have to deal with more of that than anybody because of this collective experience and getting all those people some very special uh, access. Daytona sounds like a difficult one to tackle. Tell me about it. Oh man, it's uh, that part alone makes the day so much tougher. So um, unlike most races, obviously Daytona is very desirable. Um, you're on an actual speedway, so they kind of have um, like their own way of doing things. From having you know the Daytona 500, the the uh, Daytona 200, just all these different events. Um, so they kind of do it their way when it comes to getting passes, where to pick up, how to go about the whole process. Um, so basically. They kind of they shuffle all the AMA crew that does um, the, the registration and the, the passes into this little tiny booth that they don't tell you exactly where it is, so you have to know where it is 
um, just from talking to people or having been there in previous years. And it's on the opposite side of where most of your Ubers drop you off, where, um, you know, the Google Maps, Waze, wherever it tells you, to, you know, here's your destination. You're probably a good quarter of a mile away from that. You have to go all the way around this um, humongous racetrack to find it. And it's this little tiny thing within a gate behind another gate that's kind of hidden by some trees. And it's, it's just a nightmare. Um, and for some reason, I don't know what it is it takes so long to get credentials. So you go on one side to actually say, hey, I'm a rider, I'm leaving credentials for this, this person, that person, that person. The people have to then go to the other side of that little hut or booth or whatever to put, to grab their passes, and the lines are humongous. They don't really give you a cap for, um, for each rider on how many people you can have show up. So there's a lot of industry bands going in and out of that place. And I think some of my fans told me that the line was about three and a half hours long, and that's just to get the pass to do the behind-the-scenes deal. So we usually tell them to show up a little bit early. Um, the day never goes as, as expected, obviously, in running um, an outfit like this. You know, there's always little things that kind of go awry. But, yeah, it's, it's just very tough, man. I mean, there's, they really don't tell you where to go, what gates it's uh, what gates to get, what gate, uh, this access or that access, or it's just a big, big pain in the butt, so... I try to make it as easy for the fans as possible and, and, you know, with maps and constant communication, if I have to hop on a bicycle and tie my fat ass all the way around the track to meet them, I'll go ahead and do that, uh, make sure that they get what they need on time. So it's a pain, man. I mean, I, I can only imagine some riders or sort of people who might not be as attentive to the, the people that are getting passes for. They must have been out there for, I mean, Five hours, maybe looking at the passes about where to go and what? who to talk to. That whole deal, yeah, it, it's it's crazy, man. The, the line just gets so crazy. That is ludicrous. That is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, that bums me out. Um, but yeah, like that's just like a, like all of the the issues that you hear about from Daytona is one of the many reasons why I don't often uh head on down um to Daytona I need to make it down at some point given the fact that um I cover the races the racing series as closely as I do but um I hope that uh even though there was some uh some ridiculous circumstances uh for you to tackle throughout the day that you were still able to uh give the the uh, the good kind people your um uh, the the value uh, for the like the the time that they spent and and all that fun stuff like it's it's uh it's no small undertaking my friend oh most definitely yeah we uh, we took care of the the fans pretty good uh we had a um couple that were kind of all around the pits um hanging around with one of the teams getting just some really cool hands on experience i mean we've got people that want to do you know more of the photography photography side of things and maybe uh, learn how to get their foot in the door with a, a media company within the industry or, hey, I want to be a football mechanic or um, I want to be a sponsor one day or I want to be a team manager. I mean, we really get a chance to cater the experience to whatever they want to partake in and some of the connections they make. I mean, it, it blows me away half the time you know, when people are like, hey, I talked to so-and-so. I'm like, how the hell did you do that? I don't want you to take it after 10 years. You know, I'm so you know what I mean? So um, it, it's just super cool to hear stories like that and uh, we make sure we take care of everybody and give them as best of an experience as possible and make it worth their time. There you go. Um, we'll we'll ho- hopefully everyone enjoy themselves. And now we're looking forward to Indy. Before we look forward to Indy, we got to talk about some Supercross racing, my friend. Uh, before we get to the 250 main event, which was a snoozer, nothing happened at all. 
other than Jordan Smith going down again, likely needs knee surgery, get well soon to Jordan Smith. Uh, let's talk about that carnage that was the uh, the whoop section in both those races. I just got off the phone with Chris Canning, who had like a first row seat for all of that BS. Uh, when those guys go, just go ahead and send it into the whoops, and you like, I can't stop watching the video of uh, Nick Gaines just like wadding himself into like I like it's. I've, I don't think I've ever seen somebody just like eat so much crap in the whoops, just full commit, drop the front end, and die. It was brutal to watch. I mean, we, I got a chance to see it um, from the industry seating area, so a little skewed, but uh, I watched it in the replay. He, I've never seen somebody hit that hard in a whoop position. I think people ran all through corners. Uh, off cameras, jumps, whatever. But in protection, usually they get a little bit of swords, you go left or right, kind of uh, whisk throttle, let the bike fall off, or side to side swap, sideways, as we see AT do this year. But I've never seen a guy go over the front and get whipped to the ground so hard and then hit by the bike. And then somebody else, you know what I mean? It was one thing after the other, after the other. So, um, yeah, I mean, I felt so bad for him. And then the pileup just kept happening where this one guy would see him hit, try to slow down, and that was. You know, mess up, you know, he'd go down and he'd hit somebody and would hit him and hit the first bike. And it was just me. And the fact that it happened back to back heat races, that was insane. I mean, we thought that there was like, I don't know, like a divot or something that was running through the track or a cinder block or something loose because that, that section was claiming so many riders, man. It was insane. No, it was. That was uh, over the top. Hadn't seen anything like that in quite some time. All the obviously they had to completely roll them so that they were uh, uh, passable for the rest of the night show. But uh, yeah, n- you never want to see anybody get hurt. But a spectacular video with uh, uh, none of the Nick Gaines just going uh, full send and up over the bars uh, into uh, oblivion. But uh, let's talk two fifty main event, like. Things that stood out to me is, like, obviously, congrats to Garrett Marchbanks. You never, uh, like, you don't expect guys to just go ahead, lead for every single one of the laps. You did 14 to 14 laps, like, wire to wire. He got the whole shot. Um, but that also tells me that there wasn't a lot of changes for the lead, obviously, zero, effectively. Um and uh, when someone who's never won before is able to just, like, whole shot and see you later, that usually tells me there's not a lot of things separating dudes. Um, and uh, I think that was a little bit the case, especially with the, the 250 main. You just, there was no passing out there. Like, there's just guys that they started up front, they finished up front. In fact, everybody in the top six, everyone in the top six, Started in the top eight spots and stayed there for the most part. They didn't shuffle around too much. The guy who came the furthest and did the best seventh for uh, um, for Jeremy Martin on the first lap, he ends up getting uh, that third place ride. One thing that stands out to me, and I don't know if this is sort of a like kind of it, like surprising to you, Shane McElrath on a, a bike that didn't really. It, it sounded like he needed to shift up all night. Uh, put himself like he's actually one of the only guys who really kind of went. Well, I guess he went from eighth to, to fifth. I thought he went, went backwards during that race, but like he got into fourth, got behind RJ Hampshire, and just couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, that was kind of crazy, man. I thought for sure, like on a track that's more outdoorsy, Shane McElrath would shine even more. You know, because he likes those um, outdoor kind of tough, um, kind of tough tracks. 
and him and AP do pretty well at those. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, he didn't have to start this weekend. He seemed like he got caught up with all the little square edges and these little weird um, super tight ruts um, through some of the tighter sections. And, uh, yeah, he didn't make much progress. And um, this is kind of what I was hoping Shane wouldn't do. And um, he's just given a lot of points away to, to Sexton and some of the other, some of the other riders. Um, their their series is so short. Uh, you've heard me say this time and time again. You really cannot have a bad ride, and a bad ride is anything less than a third. You know, you have to be in the podium to get the to get as many points as possible. And he's not going up against slow guys. I mean, Sexton is very quick. Uh, he's got he's going up against R.J. Hampshire. Um, you know, March Banks seems to be making a little bit of a push, but um, yeah, he, he's got really really fast guys in his in his camp and that, that, that are really like trying to push him to the next level and and that are giving him a hard time at these races and you, you really can't uh, you really can't give up um, uh, spots like he's doing man a fifth in the in the main at Daytona is just not going to do it now he put himself in an even bigger hole heading into Indy um, which is kind of like a home race for section of sorts you know kind of kind of close to um, Missouri so um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry he's from Illinois right isn't he from Illinois uh, I think, yeah, he's an Illinois guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Illinois, Illinois, yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, still pretty close, and, um, yeah, he's going to have just a lot of momentum going forward, and uh, it's not something you want. It's not really good for McElrath at this point, man. He's, you got, you got to really, you, you got to go every single race with uh, the thought process of, I, I can't get anything less than a third, or I, I'm going to die trying, and it's going to be tough to remount, man. He's got some stiff competition. For sure, for sure. Um, one of the things that's sort of sticking out to me with this series is, like, originally we sort of thought that there was a ton of depth on the East Coast, and then you start to look at the at the results from this last weekend. Um, Enzo Lopes, I believe this is his third year racing Supercross, although uh, last year was sort of uh, his first year with a national number, uh, riding that Suzuki, get, kind of getting his feet wet in Supercross. I think he, he had come out uh, as an like uh, from amateurs to race uh, the outdoors the year prior. So this is only his second year racing Supercross. Uh, Joe Shimoda, full-blown rookie. Uh, Pierce Brown, who uh, ends up having to still go through the LCQ, Again, uh, in, I think that's twice as many in, in as many weekends. Uh, he ends up sixth. Obviously, that's a career best because this is only his second or third Supercross period. Fantastic to see uh, the kid out of Utah who actually basically grew up racing against Jarrett, Garrett Marchbanks, two of them going toe-to-toe out in Utah uh, week in, week out. Jalik Swole goes through the LCQ uh, and has to uh, ends up ninth, and that's a, a career best for him. That was awesome to see. I think that he's a Florida native, if I'm not mistaken. That's why he runs the 352 on the number plates for the area code down there. Uh, Cedric Subaross uh, up there, and Jordan Bailey making a, a, an appearance. Bunch of Florida natives actually doing very, very well, including, uh, well, I guess Lorenzo's not from there, but he spent some time down in, uh, in Groveland, uh, Florida. It, like, and then after that, like, you have guys like Curran Thurman. Obviously, he's been setting the world on fire with some surprising, uh, results. No one, I don't think any, like, I don't think Grant Harlan's mother knows who Grant Harlan is. Uh, not to say that, like, I just have no idea who that is. Uh, same thing with Carter, uh, uh, Halpane. Like, like, it literally this back half of the the series like this back half of the like i i know who chase marquier is 
But uh, aside from, uh, like, obviously I've talked to Dustin Winter in person. I have no idea who uh, Justin Robbell is. Um, like, the, the front half is, is like, obviously like the, the top five guys, those are all household names. The back half of the top ten, those are guys who are basically just getting their feet wet in Supercross. Some, some one, one, will one day be some household names. And then uh, I think the rest of these guys need name tags because other than Justin Starling and... Uh, uh, Marque, like it's it's not exactly a who's who on the back half of the half of the class. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I guarantee the guys who are playing full fantasy with these guys know who they are by now because they got some. Yeah, some like oh that points. that game that I keep beating you at is that that game that I keep yeah, beating you yeah. at, Dave? It is. I'm I'm gonna make a resurgence this year. Trust me. Or sorry, this weekend. It, it, it's coming. I had a a pretty lackluster weekend uh, in Daytona. I'll, I'll give you that one, but I'm coming for Indy. Uh, but no, it's super good to see just been chipping a away. proper chipping of guys away. come up. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it, it's great to see a new crop of, of guys in the sport coming up and getting these really good rides. I mean, the fact that we that we don't know maybe seven or eight of the guys who are in the, the back half of the class, it goes pretty well for the the vibrance of the sport. It's growing. It's attracting more pros to it. Um, and these guys are, are kind of that new regime of, of 250 stars. Um, hopefully in the making. Um, so that's really cool to see. But yeah, man, I mean, there's some guys up there that are qualifying. I'm like, who the heck is Rod Bell? I've never heard that, that name before in my life and um, other stuff like that. But it, it is really cool to see. Um, I, I don't think we saw this depth of of privateer or unknown riders on the West Coast. Um, I don't know for whatever reason. I don't think that that class was any more stacked than the 250 East is, but um, nonetheless, it's still it's still cool to see, man. It's it's really uh, puts a smile on my face to see more privateers getting in there. You know, Grant Harlan was probably ecstatic with a 13th at Daytona. I mean, what like that's kid huge. Us, you know, be able to race it. Yeah, that's and he's not going up against slow guys. I mean, Jace Owen is uh, absolute beast. Justin Starling is very quick. Chase Marquier very fast. I mean, he's going up against some really good guys in the sport, and um, he's really really something to, for somebody to get not only into the night program and then into the main event, but to score 13, that's, that's incredible. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I absolutely guarantee. Yeah. Like we're going to have to find, we're going to have to take notice as to who the heck uh, Grant Harlan is uh, out of Justin, uh, Texas. We have to uh, maybe get that guy on the podcast, get down to the, uh, get down to the bottom of who the fuck is Grant Harlan clearly someone who probably maxed out in Pulpamex Fantasy? Uh, and let's talk about that for a second. Because my team featured none other than uh, Pierce Brown as well as Dustin Winter. And going into the LCQ, I'm thinking to myself, like, there is some players in the game here. Like, there's some guys who can move and shake and need to get into that main event. And, and like, obviously, Jalex Wool is one of them. So he's getting in. That is a for sure thing. And uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, Pierce Brown should as well. But when two of your guys, like, I was I was going to have two of my 250 guys not in the main event on, like, the third lap of the LCQ. Let's just say I don't have fingernails anymore. And somehow both of those guys make it in. I was absolutely uh, thrilled by that. 
And, uh, yeah, and that, that's what basically was the, the difference between me, uh, moving forward in the, the, the Pulp Mix Fantasy points in our league that if, if you're not already following, uh, join the, uh, the Big MX league. The, the password to get it in is Winnipeg. And if you don't know how to spell Winnipeg, they can't help you. Um, but, uh, yeah, like the, like, Pulp Mix Fantasy just adding, uh, so much more fun to these LCQs. I love it. No, it really is. Yeah, you, uh, you definitely must play a team. I was a little bit more conservative this weekend. Last yeah, weekend. you were. Um, some, somehow, I don't know how, ended up with the 283 picking um, A-Ray, who got me no points with the other uh, tip over in the um, LCQ. This weekend, I was like, you know what? I'll be a little conservative. I don't really – Daytona is usually all over the place with the riders. The guys that qualify pretty decently could have a fall in one of these tight corners, blah, blah, blah. You never know. So I was a little more conservative, and it only got me two thirty for points. So a little disappointing, but you know we'll be bound for Indy. We'll we'll start climbing the ladder a little bit more and getting things going that way. Fair enough, man. You got to roll those dice. It's Pulp Mix Fantasy. I'm personally, I don't really care how I do. I just like I want to just throw out all the uh, the best guesses I can. I can. Uh, you know, I like being able to, to like go through the LCQs and just being like, I don't know who's making it, and I need I need three out of these four spots. Uh, and it's just an absolute yeah. shit show. Um, but before we get to the 450s, let's talk about Chris motherfucking Canning on a one-two fizzle. Buddy of yours growing up. Obviously, he, he, he said some nice things about you, uh, on my podcast with him. Races a 125 and beats none other than John Short in the LCQ. John, we need to talk. Uh, but like, let's get to the bottom of this, man. Like, like, what, what can you tell me about this guy named Chris Canning races a KTM 125, normally races a Kawasaki 450 in the outdoors. Like, what's, what is, this, this guy is an absolute mutant. Dude, Chris is, for anyone who doesn't know, Chris Canning is an absolute force from the Northeast. Um, like Brad said, grew, grew up racing with the kid for a while. I mean, Brad, you know the crop of riders that come out of New England, at least the good ones anyway. You're truly not so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I grew up around the Southwick area, traveling over doing the um, NESC, which is, you know, super, super well-known um, series throughout the pretty much the country is bringing some of the best riders ever, like Jimmy D and so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, guy kicked ass. I mean, I can't tell you how many times he's beat me in a race. <laughs> More times than I care to care to mention. But, all of the times, yeah, probably. Really cool Just, uh, we can just, all, like, yeah, probably like all of times, the times. It, yes. How many are there? All of, all of them. them. Yeah. All of them. Mind of all times, it was all of them. Um, but, I mean, still, one thing I like about Chris is that he's super humble, really easy to talk to, and, um, you know, one of the only riders where, you know, he'll he'll be out there just coaching riders just, just for the fun yeah, of it. Yeah, he does the riding coach thing, yeah. Um, yeah, super super great guy, really, really, really personable. Um, and I, I think he wanted to ride the 75 just purely out of fun, just to – Bring yeah. the joy back to his riding. I mean, we First all know riding four strokes. Hey, exactly right. Riding four strokes is great. We love it, but I mean, it can feel like work, especially when you're someone like um, Chris's level, and that's kind of your job. Riding a 125 brings back the the smile on your face. Running a light, fun bike. The fans are behind you all all the way. It sounds phenomenal. Um, you're, it's like it's so much lighter than all these other guys you're racing against. And the guy's not slow, so he knows how to keep that thing humming. And he was making some some pretty decent passes and um, you know, you were and I you and I were talking about it a little bit off air. Uh those those twenty fives that are coming out now, 
they're pretty damn fast, especially if you can ride them as fast as Chris. Oh, yeah. They pull like crazy, man. So it didn't look like he had that much of a disadvantage compared to, to the other riders. Man. I kind of felt bad for some of the other riders coming through the corners where Chris was just sailing to these tight insides, and the other guys were like laboring, man. So I, yeah, I think it was, a, it was a smart move, not only for just why not? a very maneuverable light bike. It was just pure. Yeah, that plus the fun. Plus, I mean, you know, you're not beating yourself up all day and night. It was a heavy bike. There's no um, losing on a two-stroke like that, though. There's no you can't lose. Exactly, it's it's impossible. You're just having so much fun. Yeah, I like agree, so. and um, he qualified thirty second, I believe, which is faster than half of the guys who showed up that day. Like, um, exactly. I'm I'm sorry to do this right now, but Ezra Hastings, sell your motorcycle. Um, Colton Egum, Engelman. Sell your motorcycle. Devin uh, Sorensen, sell your motorcycle. Uh, and especially oh, Eric McKay, who put in a two minute or a minute 30 lap time. You have to sell your motorcycle because you're on a Yamaha 4250F uh, that had that you can program the fuel mapping with your goddamn cell phone. And you've got to have carbureted 125, it's probably not even a 2020 model. Chris Canning, no big deal. See you later. Thanks for coming. 30, uh, 32nd overall in times and then gets, I think he was like 12th or 13th in the uh, in the LCQ just ahead of John Short. Like, that's just hero shit. Like, can we can we sign a petition that gets Chris Canning on like the $1 bill or something like that? Like, this is, this is epic. We need to get his face stand on the side of like an FMF or PC pipe just yeah. to commemorate would have badass move that one. I think the For only sure. one would have been cooler is if this guy made it into the main and like actually freaking podium. How insane would that have been? The, the amount of uproar and the amount of beers cracked in that guy's honor would have been just staggering. Fair enough. Can, all right, now I want you to repeat so cool. after me, Dave. Repeat after me. My okay. name is Dave Drakes. My name is Dave Drakes. And I live in a dream world. Can I have my dreams? <laughs> we're 125. Gonna get a podium in a 125, see, like, yeah, in a 250F. I just want to see a two-stroke just whooping ass up front, just wide open, giving it to the boys. Just okay, he's style, still just, he was still just, a grand total of five. That. He was five seconds a lap off the best time in the main event. Uh, in in uh, in in uh, qualifying times, uh, which was Jeremy Martin. Uh, so like we're, we're not putting up, we're not having a parade for him just yet. Um, but yeah, like if you are like like guys who didn't make it into the night show, who usually do, like T.J. Albright, Bryce Clipple, um, Zane Merritt, like you are literally like you're you're pulling out of Daytona, like just being like you didn't even get your money back. Like at least Hunter Sales got in because I'm sure like someone got hurt and he ends up in the LCQ, so he for sure got to at least ride and, and got his money back. But for the guys who put the cash up, didn't make it into the to the to the night show, uh, you got your tail between your legs. Like all these guys, they are bad dudes. Every single one of them would absolutely feed me my lunch uh, on any bike. They could probably beat me on a 65 or a super mini when I'm on my 252 stroke. Uh, but uh, on this day. Chris Canning on a KTM 125. We spent way too much talking time about this. We spent seven minutes talking about Chris Canning on a 125. 
Uh, I'm just impressed. I like, I like, I have nothing but good things to say about this whole scenario. Like mixing gas, hauling ass, going faster than dudes on 250Fs, uh, who should all sell their motorcycles. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. And like, also, side bet or side note, we talked about it. He's currently at just under seven, like 8,000 followers on Instagram. If we can get him to 10,000 followers on Instagram, not only is he going to race at Gillette, on that 125 i've also committed oh. to flying in and wrenching for the young man at this particular race so you have a vested interest in this we need to make this happen chris canning 10,000 followers on instagram both of him and i at gillette and uh i think that that probably like knowing my luck that falls like the weekend before my final exams which i should like this is like the, le- the least smart thing that i should do but uh if he gets to 10,000 followers i will totally do it Dude, I had no idea about this. It's happening. I'm going to do so many posts about this kid to get him there. Um, I'm going to text him. Maybe we'll do like a jersey giveaway or something. To, uh, he's doing, he's an epic star guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy needs 10K. Yeah, the guy needs 10K immediately. Um, just to get your ass down here for what is, I'm quoting, as my home race. So we're going to make that happen. That's definitely happening. You're from, yeah, you're from Milwaukee. 10K. Dude, I'm from Connecticut. I just live in Milwaukee. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like you, you. You're from the land of ice and snow. You're, you're not even oh, like man. Yeah, no, it's brutal. I'm from the land um, of John Dowd and Doug Henry. Oh yeah, you, you wish. You absolutely wish. Uh, I want to live in a world where Chris Cannon gets points in a main event on a 125. But let's flip things over. Let's let's. Uh, we've been on the podcast for maybe. Better part of forty minutes. We haven't talked about the four fifty race yet, which was probably one of the best mains uh, I can remember at Daytona for a long period of time. Uh, off the start, Eli Tomac sixth place. Not really all that surprising. Uh, he also qualified sixth. He, he he wasn't even showing too many signs of life during the uh, the heat races. But at some point around the eleven minute mark, Eli Tomac decided. I'm going to go win this race. He tracks down Ken Roxon, who at the time had an eight-second lead over Cooper Webb, who is in second place. Tomac goes around Anderson, Webb, and eventually Roxon, who eventually sort of cut, uh, like hauls him in at the end there. But maybe, uh, maybe uh, Tomac was playing possum a little bit, maybe saving a little bit of energy, or just not, maybe not pushing it. Either way, super impressed. Love to see it. Awesome main event. On a night that didn't have a ton of great racing out there uh, in both the main events. That that one portion of the race was fantastic to watch. And uh, side note, shout out to 35-year-old Ryan Sipes on a... It says th- 450 on the, the entry card, but he was for sure on a 350, getting 16th in his first and only Supercross of 2020. Yeah, man. Uh, that was probably my favorite part, too, watching Eli sort of... Uh... Just decide to win. Just decide to win. I'm going to go win. All right, boys, I'm going to go win. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. It was was insane. So, you know, like I said before, Roxon kind of has this formula for winning these races where he gets up front and throws down heater laps and just sprints away in the first maybe four or five laps, gets a good cushion, and then maintains that cushion throughout the race. Um, Instead of, you know, doing what everyone else does and kind of setting their pace and blah, 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 whatever. Um, which has worked for him in the past. I think 
a track like Daytona is just Eli Tomac's comfort zone. It's brutal. There's really no smooth line. There's no hopping your way through to find the fastest. It's just all out. I'm going to bulldog my way through this bumpy section, rail this one turn, triple this thing that is way too ready to be tripled, and just manhandle this track. And he did it. I thought for sure Roxon had this. I'm like, you know what? They're about maybe eight minutes in. Roxon hasn't been in the fleet. He's still behind. Um, you know, a few guys thought that, that were um, trailing Roxon. I'm like, oh, they're going to hold him up. He's going to get in the battles. Roxon has this. Eli methodically carved his way past all these dudes, hit some lines that I would never hit on my best day, and made it happen, man. I mean, even in the really tight off-camber turn, which looked like you were going 50cc speed, those guys almost had to put their feet out like paddle. They were going so slow because the corner was so tight. Somehow yeah. that guy had a flowy – he just flowed through it twice as fast as those guys did, and I felt like he was carrying maybe half a mile an hour faster through every section they went out, which added up. I mean, coming into a corner, you know, at 10 instead of 9 or 8 or whatever, I mean, that, that just allowed him to eat up Roxton's lead little by little to the point where I was like, oh, man, this is definitely going to be an Eli Tomac show. And that was before the halfway mark of the, of the, the race, just watching how much he was catching the, the other guys. I mean, it was, it was insane. And I think he was really smart, stayed behind Tomac for a little, or, uh, for a little bit, forced him into a mistake and just got around and bye-bye, you know, just walked away from him and rode a relatively smooth race. I mean, I, it, when he was batting with these guys, it didn't even look like he was really pushing or battling. He, like he was out there riding and he's just Eli Tomac, so he's going to go faster than everybody else. But it did not look like he was out of his comfort zone or riding overly aggressive or really trying to battle with these guys. He was just like, oh, excuse me, coming through, thank you, blah, 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 up to the front, you know? Um, it was cool, man. I, I wanted to see Roxon win, but just watching Eli catch up to him like that, I was like, well, god damn, man. Now I kind of want to see Eli win because he's just going so damn good. So I, I had a blast watching him, man. I, it's really you know, normally boring for me to watch Eli win all the time, but the way he rode it was really cool. You're such a fan. You're like, you're... You you love this sport and that's why you're good at what you do. But I lo- I love you just being like yeah I like I want to see Eli Tomac when you like you're there, there's no way you could be like that non part impartial media guy who's just not like I don't care who wins man I just want to see good racing like you just you're just like yeah I like my green I like my green bikes I ride a green bike uh, I grew up watching Stewart on green bikes I'm gonna love green bikes and. Uh, yeah, just Eli Tomac going to the front. You're just you're fan grilling and stuff like that. You probably still get the like you still like probably the only guy who like secretly goes out and gets all the posters and shit. <laughs> uh, I thought about it, but yeah. Contacts Vanessa at like you do it like you like super like like uh, stealth and like contact Vanessa from Cowie so she could like mail them to you so that you don't like have to like take them on an airplane get them all crinkled. You're just getting them sent to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Dave. I could, I could picture me doing that too, which is the sad part, man. Yeah, no, he's like straight up like, hey, like, here's my mailing information. Like, if you guys could send some out, that'd be really appreciated. Um, I, uh, like, th- this is my, my Connecticut uh, uh, address because, like, I, I still think that I'm an NESC uh, superstar. Like, like, I'll get them next time I go see my mom. <laughs> that's you. That, that's pretty close. I'm not going to lie to you. Fair enough, fair enough. Um,. Speaking of false Falkenmech fantasy, even though we weren't talking about Falkenmech fantasy, would have had a way better day if uh, Blake Baggett didn't like completely like just not 
get past the first corner. Like, I can't even imagine what that, like, that guy has had oh, some, like, man. ups and downs lately. Was he on your team? He was definitely on mine. Yep, he was on mine. Uh, that Amazing. Over. I would have had a much better run. Oh, I would have had a sick weekend. Like, if he gets, if he even yeah. just, like, hits his, like, where he, like, if like a mediocre night for Blake Baggett, like, we're both looking at, like, a, like, damn near 300-point night. I think the, the best score on the night wasn't even, I don't even think it was 300 points. Maybe it was close to, but, yeah, I have to look. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, yeah, no, like, I had 240, and the best on the night, uh, doesn't say. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't like, I was ranked 1,931. You were probably, like, eight. 10 points behind me. I think you were. Yeah. So you're probably just outside of 2000 points or 2000, uh, 2000 rank 2000 overall supercross ranking in the 4,000. Cause I'm awesome. I suck at this game. That's okay though. Um, yeah. What else stood out to you with, uh, for like the, uh, 450 class. I was personally surprised to see, uh, Ken sort of, I wouldn't say he faded, but to get caught, like, it's not often like that to me is almost like that's similar to like sort of like when like a really fast like a, a wide receiver gets caught from behind when he's got a few steps on somebody like you don't see that happen too often and um yeah Roxton got got uh some, like had someone go out and get him and that was surprising to see yeah um that that kind of baffled me a little bit too I mean watching the way Eli rode it's like yeah no kidding he caught him but um, yeah, Kenny really, we don't really see people catch Kenny very often. Usually he has a bad ride and he kind of stays in a general positioning, um, or he's, you know, up front killing and it stays or, it. you know, gets yeah, he, yeah, you know, it, 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 at one point like, he had, I think he had lot. as many as 12 seconds on Eli and like yeah. to the rest, like for the rest of the race, there's probably, let's say it's, it's 13 laps to go at 12 seconds. Like that's a second a lap that he was able to make yeah. up. That's impressive. Like on, like a, on a track where, yeah, there's like obviously Daytona, there's some more room for error and stuff like that. But these guys still put in very similar lap times, we like lap after lap after lap, and have a full second averaged out over the course of uh, 13 laps. Like that's it's pretty impressive. Like that's obviously that's Eli like dropping the hammer and going fast, but it's also a little bit Ken uh, maybe twisting the grip a little, squeezing the bike a little bit too too tight and uh, and blowing up a little bit maybe. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I... I can't blame him if that, that was the case. You know, if you're leading Daytona, which is probably one of the most prestigious races ever, um, you know, and you're on the factory Honda, you know, pinnacle of the sport and the best Fox gear. Um, I mean, it's it's almost like a dream come true for you know any kid, especially a kid from Germany. You know what I mean? So um, it hasn't happened yet for Ken. So I'm sure he was just you know over the moon trying to keep calm under his helmet. So. If the, if the nerves kind of crept in and gave a little bit of arm pump, it's super understandable. But, I mean, yeah, we're just not used to seeing it. We're not used to seeing people catch Ken Roxon and pull away from him like that. So yeah. I think it's just kind of rarefied air. But uh, still, I mean, he's only three points away from, from Tomac as of right now. So, you know, still still have a bunch of races left. He could so nab this thing. Um, you know, we we talked oh, about this is This is wide so, open. Tomac. This is wide open. Yeah. Like, we got... Wide open. And, and, Two guys that are separated by yeah, three points, and Cooper Webb is yeah. right there. He's he's a yep. race behind, but like a bad night yep. from either one of those guys, and he's 
nipping at their heels. I guess he, he they would have to have a bad night for both Eli and and uh, Ken to be like right back into the mix. But like, um, it's I, I'm really impressed right now. Like literally, it's uh, like if you especially if you're Feld, like I, like if you're Feld and you're watching, you got a battle with t- five minutes to go. You've got your two red plate holders sitting one and two and your 2019 champion and your 2018 champion like first through fourth like literally like there's a there's not enough tissue paper in the world to take care of that mess because like it's just like oh my god like this is like this couldn't work out better like come on like jesus like pass the jurgens like it's just working yourself over like just complete you're just a complete mush. Like, oh my god! Like, exactly. Yeah, they must. Love red it. plates going Man, like absolutely. side by side through the sand of of Daytona on the fiftieth year. Like this, like this couldn't have worked out better. Of course, if you're Honda, you're pissed because uh, you didn't work out in your favor. Although it would have been cool to see Ken uh, with those retro plates. I don't know. Did you like the retro plates? I don't. I wasn't like. I don't love the ret- like, I don't love the circular plates on the modern bikes. Like I just. I don't. I, I don't get like it, but I don't love it. I, I don't. I don't know. I just, like, le- yeah. le- like I, I get it. I get it. Do the graphics. Like, do the whole down. look. Like I think there was the one time where Barsha had like the the gold wheels and he had a blue seat, and that was one of the best looking uh, throwback bikes. But it, it didn't have like uh like a really like a, a circular plate like that to me was a little bit over the top i didn't and like the fact that like maybe two like basically two teams actually did like a a retro theme at all um like it just it kind of like i was like all right cool like, i guess it is the it used to be the daytona by honda so only honda has a incentive to sort of do it but if if all the teams aren't going to do something then like i almost just i like let's not do anything then because it just looks lame. And then, like, if you have someone watching Supercross for the first time, they're like, huh, why do the Honda have, guys have weird plates? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, I don't know. I, I don't dig the old school look. I don't dig the um, the circular plates on a modern bike. It just, I mean, I get the nostalgia aspect of it, which I'm all for. I think, you know, our sport has immense, incredible, rich history, which I appreciate to no extent. Um but uh, it's no end, sorry. But the, I don't know, it, just, it, just didn't, it didn't work for me for some weird reason. I don't know, I saw it and I was like, eh, it would have been cool to just show bike to have up front of the rig. But when race yeah. time came, I'm like, man, it looks, it looks super weird. But that's just me. I'm sure a lot of people loved it. Um, you know, maybe a lot of the guys that used to ride Makos back in the day, I'm sure they loved that stuff. The circular plates, uh, 60s and The like one guy, there was bike. a guy, there was a um, privateer that had Mako on his graphics, which I, that's hilarious because he probably doesn't get any actual support from the manufacturer he rides for. So he's just like, fuck it, I'm being a Mako today. Yeah, I'm going to run it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I like that's that. That's super interesting. So, um, yeah, that's, that was pretty unique. But, I mean, overall, like, still a cool vibe of the race. Um, I'm, I, guess I, I was a huge fan of how things turned out and uh, really, really dig the whole uh, the whole vibe of the race. Just like the, just the thousand of 450 alone, like, yeah, Daytona just has that mystique, though. Like, like as much as Daytona is like, ah, yeah. uh, blah blah blah. Like, it's 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 annoying this or it's annoying that. Blah blah blah. Like, honestly, thinking back to like like uh, Pastrana wheeling over those like those ski jumps along that one straightaway next to the mechanics area, 
Carmichael's first Supercross win, period. The one race where he was literally like 45 seconds ahead of second place and like almost damn near lapped third. Uh, he did lap fifth place um, in 2000 when he beat... Uh, um, he, he passed uh, LaRocco on like the second last lap, lapping all the way up to fifth. That was his first win and just like decimated everybody. The daytime race... Um, Stu winning it twice, but also like wadding himself up just as many times, unfortunately for you. Um, yeah, like that, that massive mutter where I think Trey Kennard won the 250s. And actually, that would have been, there, there's a stat right there. Geico Honda winning both the 250s and the 450s. That probably only hand, happened like a handful of times. And that was one of the times. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's there you cool. go. There is an absolute um, obscure stat that I just pulled out of my ass. Um, so yeah, but like, in all, th- all things considered, I like, I don't know, maybe the fans can get back to me on this one. Hit me up on in the DMs on Instagram, Brad Gebhardt 88, or, or, uh, hit up, uh, Dave on whatever Instagram that he's hitting up the, like, the collective EX, absolute ridiculousness. Um, let us know, like, does, 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 does it still have, like, is there a little bit still of like cachet with Daytona Supercross or is it just like another race or whatever? I do have a question for you. So Go going back to that two-stroke deal, okay. um, seeing how dominant Eli Tomac was and how well-suited Tomac is. No, track, he couldn't you win. Tomac, <laughs> You're fucking you ridiculous. On, okay. if, if you were to put Tomac on a very built-up, so you say by some miracle, Kawasaki was able to make a K from 25 that was remotely as fast as a K from 25, do you think putting Tomac on that bike in the 250 class, he would be as competitive um, as he was in the 450 class? Do you think he'd be a top three? Do you think he'd be a, a top 15 and not qualify? Putting modern-day Tomac on a kick from 25 that was just as fast as Chris's, Chris Kenny's bike in the 250 class, how would the guy do? A, a modern, like obviously like full full upgrade on su- suspension, same power plant yeah, from yeah. probably like 08 when yep. they stopped making the Kawasaki 125. Um, how would he yeah. do? I think yeah. because he's going to get like an absolute ball start. Like he's going to have like, I like I don't know if he makes, I think he makes the the main event. Um, I think he makes the main event. He'd have to do it through the heat race because I think he'd get a, like a shit start in the LCQ. And with no passing going on at Daytona, he probably wouldn't be able to make it in after a bad start in the in the LCQ. But I'm going to say into the main event and as a high watermark, let's look at the, the results again for the 250 main event. Because you're asking me a ridiculous question, I'm going to give you a ridiculously detailed uh, answer. <laughs> I think that Eli Tomac on an absolute... Uh, like just like as done up completely works 125 that you can possibly build. Like it'd be like a full blown PC works the whole nine yards. The thing would be barely 185 pounds soaking wet, uh, filled up with VP race fuel mixed with 927 caster Maxima racing oil. I think that he would be as far ahead as maybe he would beat Pierce Brown. So I'm going to say he's sixth. I don't think he's beating any of those top guys. I'm going to say he's sixth, that he could find a way to just go faster than all of those other dudes 
that are like getting their feet wet in Supercross. He'd never let off the throttle. He'd need a new clutch pack by like lap four. Um, and like, and then, but like literally, uh, then you put him on the, on the $1 bill is if he gets top six. Agreed. I, uh, you actually put him a little higher than I would. I would say he'd probably be like a ninth or so. But yeah, no, that's that's solid, solid yes. I would love to see Cali make that that two stroke though. Could you imagine this 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 for Shell, not even to put out there, but just seeing Cali and PC throw everything they have at a brand new KX one twenty five oh five, just for the pure fun of it. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, no, I would too. Like, I, like it's yeah, like it'll never happen. Like honestly, I don't like like yeah, when I watched that yeah. that one that two fifty two stroke edit that uh, uh, Eli did. Like it sounds awesome, and then he like to hear his comments afterwards. He didn't really enjoy it. Like this kind of like kills my heart a little bit when he knows that uh, like it's just not really like a he did, like the like, they don't like the novelty is sort of worn off on guys like Eli because he didn't really w- grow up racing big bike one twenty five. Like he probably raced a Honda one twenty five or maybe a Suzuki one twenty five like a handful of times in that sort of weird time I never period. Saw when he, video or pictures of him riding a, a anything other than the two fifty F the you know like the Amsoil Honda outfit and number forty three. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing him at all on like an RM or CR like. At least AC, a few other kids are like, yeah, they'd have run the KX for like a you know half season or a one twenty five here or there or whatever. But I do not remember that guy being on like anything. Schoolboy, like eighty five super mini, and then boom, right up to a four stroke. Four stroke, and but that was basically that was the progression back then. Like it's like there wasn't yeah. a lot of guy like there like and that you got to think like that's the time period when like people were for sure ready to just like completely lay down the four stroke the two strokes all together that's old technology we don't do that anymore um if there's any footage of it like you'd almost probably have to ask like Eli's dad because yeah like that he would know whether or not Eli like raced a, a RM125 like I, I I'd be willing to bet that Eli put a little bit of time on one at the end of his Honda day, or his Suzuki days to sort of get ready to ride a big bike just for like the frame yeah, size. Cause he was probably nice. huge on, on super minis, but he, I don't like, I'm not, I'm looking through instant, like the not Instagram, I'm looking through Google right now and nothing is coming up. Uh, Eli Tomek 125, like literally not an RM, not a CR, uh, not a Kajiva, nothing. So, yeah, that that leads yeah. me to believe it probably didn't happen, um, which is yeah. which is a bummer. Like at least like at least there's footage of like uh, Villapoto on a on a KX125, and and obviously uh, I think for a very I don't think he ever raced it, but he for sure rode it like like uh, before that like two stroke a uh, two stroke video. Adam Cincerello raced a a rode a, a KX125. And same thing with Styles Robertson. He had one for a bit. I think that's kind of a cool period when yep. kids can get on that thing for a little bit and just kind of, it's basically a super mini with big wheels. Uh, it was just 125. Like, if anything, much, like yeah. pow- power to weight ratio, the super minis are almost, I would almost willing to be faster than a 125 just because you've got so much more wheel weight. But, 
Um, yeah, like it's just, it's cool to see those kids rip on those things. Like they don't let off. They just go, they're just like pinned everywhere and they got that fast style and they're for sure, uh, they maybe not be going as fast as a, as a, as a one James Stewart once did. Um, but, uh, every bit of the, uh, the scrubbing and like the wide open in the corners and stuff like that, that we remember from James racing those things. But, um, but yeah, like anything else stick out to you from the 450 class? Um, Aaron Plessinger didn't ride like an asshole, uh, this one, um, he finally like kind of put in a decent day. He's been sort of getting better lately. I don't know if that's, yeah, he was yeah, doing, he was, he was like, doing I stuff. His, I saw his bike. Still up let, or he's 11th in points. Where, yeah. where did he end up in the main? Sixth. That's gotta be a high watermark. That's gotta be his best. He, he, he started third, he qualified third. So he did well in, in one of the, in one of the heat races. Um, so yeah, like that's, that's a step in the right direction for, um, Plessinger and like if we both would have picked Dean Wilson for Pulp Mix Fantasy we'd both be singing a different tune the guy's qualified uh, uh he started seventh and finished seventh so he's like the most like quietest evening of the world and it's like there's literally no one he just did did a whole lot of like just quietly did nothing just that's awesome yeah uh it, it was it was kind of shocking for, for a minute I, I just split second when I saw um Pressing right, pressing right there with Barsha, and I was like, "Who the hell is number seven? Like for like a half a second, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Plessinger is having a, a pretty damn good ride. He yeah, like forget about that guy, huh? He looks comfortable. Yeah. Oh man, when, when, when we don't see somebody who we know should be top five, what well, a double champion 12, in the class? 11. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what the heck? What, what's going on? So yeah. I kind of put him out of my mind for a little bit, but it was really refreshing to see AP riding well. You know, for sure. Which you really don't. I really didn't, wouldn't think I'd have to say that, but it was nice to see two Yamaha teammates stabbing a little bit and to watch AP ride like AP. It, it was just fun to watch and it was really refreshing. Fair enough. No, I I totally agree. Just looking, yeah, I was looking at Dean Wilson's night. Nobody in front of him on the first lap finished behind him, and he finished in front of everybody that was behind him on the first lap. So he literally. Like, I'm sure at some point, maybe somebody got him for like a couple of corners, but at no point was he further back or further behind. Like, he was just in seventh and stayed there. That is hilarious. Yeah. That is, yeah. that is about as yeah. quiet a night as you can have. Uh, like, just qualifying 12th, exactly. which means he was like sixth in one of his LCQs. So just sort of like, just like, just like a, like, just a ghost out there. Like, no one, no one knew Dean was getting one of the best performances of his of his season, but he did probably, and everyone who had him in fantasy did too. I would not be angry if uh, that was that was all I had to worry about was hey, this race is kind of boring. No one's really around me. I'm gonna ride her home to a top ten. Like I would take that race any day, man, because we all know what can happen at a track like Daytona. It gets pretty gnarly. So remember when uh, yeah, remember when Stu worse. jumped the wall. <laughs> Remember when Stu jumped the wall beside Dean on on the on, it was that two two days yeah it was two 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 when Dean rode oh, yeah, uh, yeah 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 and Stu jumped the wall that was cool yeah that was cool just jumping walls that was freaking cool <laughs> that's awesome all right Dave we're starting to ramble people are starting to sign off the only person that's listening is probably. Jonesy's probably listening. Uh, Ron Dog is for sure still listening. Shout out Ron Dog, uh, Dented Pipe Podcast. That guy's awesome. Uh, good people. Um, 
I, I, like, Tyler McAdams is probably for sure not listening. Uh, Garrett Rockley might my, still my be listening. Spencer probably is. Sorry? My buddy Spencer uh, probably is. From Spencer's back probably he's listening. Good, Shout yeah. out Spencer. Um, Shout out Spencer. Mary Claire's probably listening at this point. Yeah, but she's only <laughs> listening to see if you put your foot in your mouth and admit to hitting on girls when you're at the races and she's not around. Um, there we go. Here we go. Um, yeah, like it's straight up. Um, AJ Catanzaro's not listening. He is a listener of the podcast, though. No, he's not. Um, Mathis is probably listening. I guarantee, like Mathis, like does not talk to me at the races, but he's like a closet like listener. He like he really takes in my stuff. I can I can tell. Um, That'd be and cool. yeah. I bet he is. No, I, I totally is, and that's why he's got like such a hate on for me. Is that he's just got like he's. Uh, He's just, he knows that there's this fire happening on this podcast, like, like literally the podcast version of avocado toast. Like this place is, this thing's going off right now. <laughs> and Dave, Dave knows exactly what avocado toast is. And that's a problem. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's get off this podcast so that we can, uh, stop hitting record and actually, uh, talk some shit on some of these riders. Not like we don't do it on the podcast, but Dave, uh, where can people find out more information on the collective experience? I imagine there's still some spots available for VIPs and you're also always looking for interns. Yeah. Uh, anyone can head to the collective XP.com at the collective EX of Instagram. Um, be sure to DM us, hit us up, send me an email contact at the collective XP.com. We've got tons of spots open for our, uh, SX fan experience program, which like Brad said, put you guys front and center to some of the best action you're going to get in Supercross, pounded on the road, getting spoiled and pampered by your favorite racers and teams. Um, and our internship program that gets you hands-on experience working in the industry with top-level top racers, um, that's going very, very well. We've got a lot of openings for the rest of the season. For Indy, however, we are jam-packed. Uh, that one is going to drive me nuts getting – all the all the forms together, but I'm amped to get all those kids in there and meet a lot of new faces. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun, and these guys are going to get hooked up like they're not going to believe. So that's one race that I'm definitely definitely going to be excited for. Um, but yeah, check us out, thecollectedxp.com. We want to get as many people behind the scenes, um, get them connections, get them working in the industry that they all love, that we all love, that we want to uh, contribute to, and uh, make some stuff happen, man. We we have a good time with it, and we want to uh, we want to keep spreading it. There you go, my friend. Uh, yeah, you're going to be busy this weekend, and then uh, it won't be too long before I uh, make my way down to another one of these things at some point. I promise I will make it down. And like I hear you guys heard on the podcast, if you go and follow Chris Canning, Canning376, if I'm not mistaken, go do it. Uh, follow him. Get to 10,000. Not only myself is in Gillette. But all, but the, the the what you really want is Chris Canning on a one two five at Gillette Stadium. Uh, we got to make that happen. Um, Dave, you have yourself amazing rest of your evening, and uh, we'll chat again soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it, man.